Teen Time Presents Podcast On Demand. Log on to podcast.rthk.org.hk. Teen Time Podcast On Demand. This is Teen Time with Alison Howe. This is the Teen Time Science Blog. I'm Neil Chase. You might have heard a couple of weeks ago that the world was celebrating the 40th birthday of something that we now all take for granted. Something that has changed the way we buy, sell, read, listen to and learn from. Something that without, I couldn't even speak to you. And something that it seems we all need. And so this week on the Science Blog, I'll be looking back at just one thing. The Internet. There's no doubt that the internet has completely changed our world in just a few short years. I remember the excitement I felt almost 15 years ago at being able to go online, a term that I didn't even know before, via my lightning-fast 28K modem. Nobody would even think of anything that slow now, and broadband is a must for almost every household. It's hard to say exactly when the internet was invented, but it was 40 years ago that scientists in the United States developed something they called ARPANET. It was a way to link computer networks between the University of California, Los Angeles and the Stanford Research Institute, so that scientists could work on material in both places. Then, later in 1969, the University of Utah and the University of California Santa Barbara were added onto the system. Then new institutions were added to the system every few weeks. However, what made this basic internet different from anything that had gone before was the way that it broke down all the information from one network, sent it over a phone line and then the computer at the other end reassembled it again. It was called packet switching and made the process of transferring information possible. By 1981, this linked form of communication had grown from just the United States to Canada, Europe, Australia and Hong Kong. The term Internet had also been born, being an abbreviation of Internetworking. However, it still wasn't the Internet as we know it today, as different systems in different countries used different protocols. And it wasn't until 1983 when the now standard TCP-IP protocol was introduced for all systems around the world, which made the Internet truly global for the first time. But it wasn't for everyone to use, and only military, research and educational establishments had access to this new form of communication. But in 1992, the US government started to allow commercial activity, and by then, the first dial-up service had started for the public to use. The mid-1990s saw growing availability of the Internet to the public, and the first real use of email and the World Wide Web. An Internet backbone was created internationally by linking fiber-optic cables running across continents and under the oceans. Broadband started to become available and the world suddenly became a smaller place. Now the Internet's strength is also its weakness. Nobody owns the Internet and that means it is also very difficult to control. Although some countries try very hard to limit what their citizens can read or have access to. 
it's impossible to think of life without email. But with limited regulation, it also means that we all get far too much spam email too. By the start of 2000, thousands of companies thought they could get rich quick with internet sites and services and financial backing came from people who couldn't see that the business model simply wouldn't work. That was the bursting of the so-called dot-com bubble and it was about the same time that the music sharing site Napster came and went as a way to share music online for free. And there lies another problem too. We've got used to having content online for free and are reluctant to pay for anything we see or use on the web. News is widely available on thousands of websites and only a few news sites around the world will charge you for viewing their content. That's meant that hundreds of newspapers have gone out of business whilst it seems there are more web authors writing blogs than there are people to read them. So, 40 years on, what is the future of the internet? Certainly our thirst for bandwidth is unquenchable and the methods for viewing, downloading and absorbing information grow daily. It's likely that the separation between TV, news, video, phones and computers will become more and more seamless. Access will likely grow in places that previously didn't have internet, like on long flights that Wi-Fi access will be everywhere and that we'll never be out of contact, however much we might want to be. We'll be more mobile and cloud computing will become more practical with fewer desktops and laptops and your information stored elsewhere. More applications, technology and devices that require us to be online in ways that, at the moment, are just in our imaginations. It's unlikely that the Internet's founding fathers had any idea that their baby would become so big, so boisterous and so widespread in the last 40 years. It has come of age and the Internet is here to stay even though we might not recognize it in another 40 years. So Internet, happy 40th birthday! Teen Time presents Podcast On Demand. Log on to podcast.rthk.org.hk. Teen Time Podcast On Demand.